0: Thank you for downloading this sermon from Christ the Word Church. If you would like more information on how Christ the Word is reaching, raising, and teaching generations in Northwest Ohio and Southeast Michigan, please visit us online at ChristTheWord.com. As we've celebrated the season of Advent, we remember what God has done for us this past year. We remember God's promises to us. So think about how God has blessed this church family, our family, in 2021, the last year. Many young people were marrying in faith. Many children were born. God provided houses for certain families that needed it. There's physical health and healing for many. Unity for our church family during a time of division. And new people coming and worshiping with us and coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Praise God. I know there have been other ways as well that I haven't mentioned. Now, along with the blessings, there's been, it was, 2021 was a hard year for many as well. And God was good to us even through those hardships as well as the blessings. And so as we look to the new year, there are a couple of pitfalls that we should be aware of. I know after Christmas, I often just want to take a break for a while. Our December calendar is packed uh, with something just about every night. Now, most of those things are all fun and enjoyable and things to, to, to celebrate and be with other people, but it's just so busy. I often just want to coast for the next couple weeks to slow down, to get the house in order, to take down the lights and the decorations, to get all that stuff organized, all the stuff in the basement and, and other places, and just, like I said, just coast. So that's one pitfall. Another pitfall that we can fall into is the one of negativity. That we had joy during Christmas, we had lots to celebrate, but now, looking in the new year, what is there? It Seems like it's back to the drudgery of what had happened before Christmas. There's overcast weather, snowy days, cold, and other hard things that just seem to push us farther and farther down into the pit of despair. But the Advent season includes two things. It's both remembering God's goodness to us through Jesus in the past, and also looking forward to his second coming in the future. And our desire is to want to coast and to take a break, and falling into negativity and despair quash our ability to look forward in hope to what God has for us. These things make us short-sighted regarding God's plan of redemption for us in Jesus. Now often at the New Year, people make resolutions. And two years ago, there was a study done on the top 10 New Year's resolutions for success and happiness in 2020. And here they are. So number 10, staying motivated. Number nine, upgrade my technology. Number eight, be a better person. Number seven, be more healthy. Number six, be happier. Number five, go to the gym. Number four, lose weight slash diet. Number three, the opposite, eat more of my favorite foods. Number two, try something new. And number one, actually doing my New Year's resolution. Now, most of these resolutions involve some type of self-improvement or attempt at self-improvement. People said if these things occurred, someone would be more successful or more happy. But if you think about it, none of those things address a person's spiritual well-being or their need of a savior. So if you had to assess your spiritual development this past year in 2021, would you say you grew closer closer to the Lord or farther from him? These are the only two options for us. We're either taking steps forward or backward in our relationship with God. For some of us here, this year may have led to a spiritual lethargy, a sleepiness in our approach to God. This is something that we must fight in our lives, and the new year is a good time to make needed changes. So in 2022, how will you look forward to Christ's second coming? Scripture calls us to be alert, and that's what I'd like to speak on this morning. Why we need to be alert, why we're not alert, and tools God gives us to be alert. So please stand for God's reading of his holy word. Our passage this morning is 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 through 11. Now, as to the times and the epochs, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation." For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you also are doing. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a guide unto our path. Lord, thank you for your living word, Jesus Christ, that we look to his second coming. Bless my words. May they be your words, Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the context of our passage is the Apostle Paul writing to a church that God had started through him in the city of Thessalonica. At the time, the city was the largest city in Macedonia. It was a seaport, and it had a major road connected to it, and so there was much trade that would happen in the city. And the background of the church is found in Acts 17, and while the Apostle Paul started teaching in the Jewish synagogue, the church most likely grew with many Gentile converts. And so the the letter contains many instructions to young Christian believers. One of these instructions is our passage in how to deal with the fact that we do not know when Christ will come again. As I was thinking and praying about this passage, I could picture in my mind many of these people asking, well, how do we know when Christ is coming back? Why don't we know? What do we do until this happens? The Apostle Paul instructs them, what to do, to be alert. And he starts with the why. Verse 1 and 2 tells us that there are things related to times and epochs which they were not meant to know. And that includes us as well. The Apostle Paul wasn't willing to write about these things. He had just finished writing about what it would look like when Christ returns, but as to when this would happen, that's not for us to know. Jesus speaks about these things which will happen in the last days, and I believe we are in the last days, but how long these last days are and when exactly Christ shall return, we don't know that. This is part of God's goodness to us, that we don't know this. Think about our pride, and if we knew the exact time that Christ would come, what sort of foolish and sinful things would we do related to that? There have been some people who have tried to do exactly that in the past, and God has shown that they were all wrong. What our verse does tell us is that Christ's return will be sudden. A thief is able to steal because he does so suddenly. The person being stolen from doesn't expect it to happen. A pickpocket takes a wallet because the person doesn't expect that his wallet will be taken. Otherwise, he would have done something to make sure that didn't happen. It's often quick. It's unexpected. If a business loses money because of uh, somebody hacking into their network, It's sudden and often occurs because the business wasn't diligent in doing the things necessary to guard against it. They weren't thinking about what might happen. In our lives, we're called to be alert because we we don't know when Christ shall return. But it will become, he will come and it will be sudden. And scripture is clear that on that day, referenced here in our passage as the day of the Lord, Jesus will judge all peoples and their actions. And this is why we are to be alert. When Jesus comes back, he will judge all. Are we prepared for when this will happen? What are some reasons we're not alert? Our our passage speaks of several of these reasons. First, we are often purposefully blind to our surroundings. Verse 3 tells us that that destruction will come on those who say peace and safety. At times, we do the same thing. We look around and say, hey, things are pretty good. Sure, there's some things we could do better. Sure, there's some things that aren't so good. But overall, yeah, we have peace and safety. Our purposeful blindness is because we're trying to mentally deceive ourselves. We don't want to be alert to what's going on and what's around us. Because if we truly saw what was going on, then we'd really have to deal with it. And dealing with personal things is hard. It usually means long-term, drastic change. Maybe it's embarrassing. Maybe it's painful. All these things want us to turn a blind eye to the realities of what we see. And in the books of both Jeremiah and Ezekiel, it's recorded that the leaders falsely were saying, peace, peace, when there wasn't any peace. In fact, God was going to judge the nation because of their disobedience of what they'd done. There wasn't peace. But they didn't want to recognize what was going on around them because then they'd be responsible to do something my grandfather my dad's father spent 30 years in the mission field in southern mexico 35 years actually and they retired to northwest iowa and at that time they were they were elderly they were pretty old and they were they were getting they were in, in their 80s and, and they were getting to uh, to have some physical ailments and so they were pretty slow well one and so they were in an assisted living uh, apartment and one of the things that they had never had in southern mexico was a television and so this was a big thing to my grandfather, uh, to, to see some, some English television for the first time. And so we would go over there and have dinner and, and sit and watch. And one of my grandfather's favorite shows was Hogan's Heroes. Some of you might remember uh, it was a rerun show back from the 50s. Uh, well, Hogan's Heroes, was uh, the, the, the setting, was an American POW camp. Uh, uh, or POWs from the, from the allies of World War II that were held by the Germans. And so these uh, POWs became friends with some of the German officers and a sergeant and, and uh, did some espionage things during the, during the show. My grandfather, one of the characters was Sergeant Schultz. And some of you know who Sergeant Schultz is. But every time my grandfather would see Sergeant Schultz, he would just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. And Sergeant Schultz was kind of this goofy, jolly guy, and uh, he would come into the barracks of the POWs, and they'd be doing some, some sort of espionage thing, and he would see him and say, I see nothing, I know nothing, and that's what he did, and my grandfather just used to laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh at Sergeant Schultz, but that's how we live our lives at times, isn't it? When we see things, we want to do the same thing as Sergeant Schultz, and we want to say, I see nothing, I know nothing, and turn away from those things, and yet, Scripture and the Lord calls us to do the opposite, to be alert. A second possibility to our lack of alertness is the spiritual darkness spoken of in verse 4. The Apostle Paul uses the comparison of darkness with those who need sleep. They're unaware, they're not alert because of their darkness. Our laziness regarding our relationship with God can lead to a life that has the same attitude as a person who needs sleep. There's a certain look to somebody that needs long-term sleep. Some of you that have worked midnights know that look that I'm talking about. And the short time that I worked midnights as a uniformed officer, I, I saw that look many times. These men and women that would do this for their whole career looked physically awful. They, they had round, uh, dark bags around their eyes. They looked like they needed to lay down and sleep for a month. <clears throat> they were irritable. They often complained more than others. They weren't enjoyable to be around. And after a little while of working midnights consistently, I saw those effects affecting me personally as well. And there were some mornings that I'd pull into my driveway at around 7 a.m. and have absolutely no recollection of how I even got there. It was a 40-minute drive from downtown to my house, and I couldn't tell you what happened during those 40 minutes. At times, I'd, I'd walk around my car to see if there was any damage. Because I did not know, did I hit something? Did I hit another car? I literally had no idea what had happened in those 40 minutes. That was scary. It was scary not knowing what happened. It was like I suddenly woke up as soon as I parked my car at, the, at our house. And when you're working at night, you're working while most people are sleeping. And it's not natural. In our passage, the Apostle Paul says that it's not natural for those who have been given the light of faith in Jesus Christ to act like we are asleep. As sons and daughters of light, we don't just live in the light. The light's changed our whole being. Praise God. We're not just characterized by it, but the light is now a part of us. And so the darkness, the spiritual sleepiness, must be kept at bay. This way, we're called to be alert. Now, a third reason that we're not alert is because of our sin. Verse 7 speaks of drunkenness. Now, some of you today may be dealing with that specific sin. And if so, repent and look to the Lord for strength to fight that. But drunkenness is just one example of the sin that contain our lives so that we're not alert to what's going on around us. Like the drunkard, we're just happy to have something to take our minds away from the realities of life. Maybe it's drug abuse, maybe it's video games, maybe it's pornography where you literally are creating a false reality. Maybe it's your pride in your own abilities that you can fix anything. Maybe it's your anger of always having to be right and never accepting that you're wrong. Maybe it's focusing on finances to provide security for your future. Maybe it's not trusting in God's sovereign rule over all things. Maybe it's allowing your emotions to rule over you. Take a minute and look back over this past year and think about which sin has caused you spiritual blindness. The Apostle Paul is making the point that by not being alert, we're acting just like the person who's asleep or drunk. And just like the person who's asleep or drunk, their senses are dulled by their sin. Our sin dulls us to the righteousness and holiness of God. Think of how many examples in Scripture there are where this occurs. King Saul's pride, sin of pride, dulled him to the proper worship of God and caused him to perform sacrifices himself. King David's sin of laziness by not being out with his army dulled him against adultery and caused him to sin with Bathsheba. Judas's sin of love of money dulled him to the reality of Jesus Christ and caused him to betray him. By not dealing with these sins in our lives, our senses are dulled to the holy things of God, and this negatively affects how we can be alert. We need to be alert not only because Christ will come suddenly, but it's important for our spiritual maturity as well. We'll not see the things which are causing us to be blind, and we'll not grow in our relationship with the Lord. Are you content with how things are spiritually in your life? How about your home? with your kids, your witness at work. Being spiritually alert and awake should shake us up. We shouldn't be content with the status quo the way it is and to see changes that are needed to be made. Our passage gives us an exhortation to be alert and sober. The word used here for alert is synonymous with being awake and watching. So being alert means to watch. And this watching doesn't mean to just see something, but the connotation is that there is a vigilant aspect to it. It isn't seeing something just once, it's careful and continual. There's also a purpose for what you're doing. You're watching for something. It's proactive and offensive, not reactive and defensive. So the questions we should ask ourselves is, are we watching our souls and the souls in our care? And if not, we should be. But if so, what do we see? A major part of watching is seeing detail. We need to be alert to the details that we do see. This starts with ourselves and our own hearts and our own minds and is included with those under our care. To see the details, we have to know those who are watching. We have to create a baseline for what's going on, spend time with them, be purposeful with them that way the baseline we can see changes we can see the other details that are normal and those that may not be i spent a semester in college out in washington dc working for the state department uh, as an intern and uh, it was a part of a study abroad program for our school and there were five of us young men for our school that uh, lived in a two-bedroom apartment for about four months And at the end of of April, one of the other young men and I were driving back to Holland, Michigan from Washington, D.C. And we got about 80 miles outside of the city in the hills of Maryland when, bam, my car just breaks down, just stops running. So we're on a three-lane highway, three lanes each way. Everyone's going 80 miles an hour, and we pull over to the side of the road. I pulled over, and I barely knew where we were at. Now, this was the day before smartphones. I had a cell phone, but it looked like one of those old Zach Morris phones that were about this big, you know, to make calls. Uh, and I had uh, printed directions from MapQuest. That's all I knew, how to get home. And so we pull over, and I opened the hood and checked for a few things that I knew to look for. There wasn't any fluid spewing out. Most of the hose, hoses looked like they were connected. Uh, I had an old Ford Taurus SHO, which was a manual. was a stick shift. Uh, pretty cool for Taurus, if you ask me. Um, but it was probably the only type of Ford Taurus that had a, had a stick shift. And we're parked on a hill of Maryland. So, the car still had electricity. Uh, it still started up. The battery seemed fine. We had just filled up with fuel before we left, so it wasn't a gas issue. The vehicle wasn't spewing any, you know, weird other uh, liquids. And it actually, like I said, it started up. But every time I'd put it in, in uh, first gear and try to pull out, it would die. Well, then we were on a hill, and me and Jeff are starting to then roll back down the hill. So I had to pull over and stop. So we called AAA, and AAA said it was going to be two hours. It's Friday afternoon. We're 80 miles from D.C. I thought, okay, it's going to put, if we tow this back 80 miles back to D.C., it's going to co- cost me probably $1,000. It's not going to tow all the way to to, back to Michigan. What are we going to do? So Jeff and I are sitting there, and we're, we're praying and thinking. And about 30 minutes later, suddenly this old beat-up Honda Civic pulls up behind us. And this uh, young man named John steps out of the car. And John's a mechanic. (laughs) He'd married his high school sweetheart. He needed a job. And so he'd done his two-year apprentice after high school. And now he was working at a mechanic's auto shop. And he was driving the opposite direction and saw us. And we looked like two of his high school buddies. So he turned around and pulled up and saw we weren't his buddies, but he was willing to help us out. So John looked in the engine, he looked a couple of things, you know, and and I I don't remember exactly what they were, but I do remember there were three things that needed to be fixed. And John said, well, if we can get your car towed to my apartment, I can fix those for 50 bucks and get you on your way. Wow, praise God. And about 30 minutes later, the tow truck shows up and off we go to John's apartment. John fixes us and we're back on the road. Now, every time I think about this story, it's unreal to me. See, John had been watchful. He saw us on the other side of that road. He saw that we needed help. He was willing to turn around and offer help. But more importantly, he knew the details of the knowledge of that engine to be able to help as a mechanic. He knew what was wrong. He was able to diagnose it and fix it quickly. As Christians, we're called to be alert regarding spiritual matters in our lives, like John was with that engine. We need to see the details. And know what is needed to fix and change in our lives and in those around us. The only way we know this is to know the standard, God's standard, and to know his word. We we must know his word in order to know what needs to be fixed. Now, we also need to be alert to do the little things right. In 2022, will you practice the fundamentals of faith that we've been given? The fundamentals of reading scripture, applying it, and obeying God's word? spending time in prayer, enjoying fellowship with other believers? These things are mentioned a lot, and we speak about them a lot, but are they, usually the, they are usually the first things that we put to the side when others things take their place. Were you too busy in 2021 to do these things? What other things of your life caused this? What will you do differently in 2022 to practice these fundamentals? these are the things that God gives us, the little things, to do the little things right. My college football coach, Coach DeHorn, was part of my ordination service this last June. Some of you got got a chance to meet him. He was a great man of God. He was an elder and on staff at a large reformed church in, in West Michigan. He was a good coach and a dear friend and mentor for many years. And in the fall, out of the blue to me, I was notified that Coach DeHorn had passed away from cancer that he'd been dealing with and hadn't really shared that with many people. So I was able to go to his funeral, and at his funeral were several of his old players and several of my old teammates, and we were all talking about Coach DeHorn. And we remembered Coach DeHorn used to say two things every single day before practice. Rain or shine, sun or snow said these two things every day. One, it's a great day to be out on the field. He had joy and encouragement to be able to be out there. And two, do the little things right, and the rest will take care of itself. If we came out, if we knew our responsibilities, if we played hard, tried to do better each day, everything else would sort itself out. We should be saying these things to ourselves each day as well. Lord, it's a great day to be a Christian. And let's do the little things right. Let's practice our spiritual fundamentals And trust God to sort out the rest. Now along with being alert, verse 6 exhorts us to be sober. Another synonym for this is to be self-controlled. The person who is on the alert is also self-controlled. Being alert goes beyond just a mental exercise. It's something that controls all of our actions. And our sins are what we should be alert for. The sins of omission and the sins of commission. Being on the alert means recognizing these sins in ourselves first and then turning to the Lord in humility to give us the ability and the strength to have self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit in our lives to be able to do this. And we can only do it through God's power in us, working through faith in Jesus Christ. This isn't the self-help of a New Year's resolution. It's a gift from God. What's something in your life that you know you must change in order to have self-control? Pray earnestly, look to others for help, and do the little things right in turning to God to give you self-control. Being sober or self-controlled allows us to see the pitfalls or dangers of sin. If we're just pushing forward like a bull in a china shop without knowing where we're going or what we're doing, we'll often fall headlong into something dangerous. And being watchful and self-controlled allows us to avoid those pitfalls. When I worked midnights, the first few hours would go pretty quickly. There were people around, there were you know, things to do. Then from about 2 to 4, staying awake became a struggle. And then from about 4 to then your shift, it became a real struggle. And part of our training was to keep your mind busy, to be thinking about what-if situations. If this happens, do you have a plan for it? If this happens, what are you going to do? And during that time of, of tiredness, keeping your mind Uh, engaged, helped to to be self-controlled and to not fall asleep. What are you watching for? How are you staying awake and alert? See, the watchman calls out the danger when he sees it to protect himself and others. This idea of being alert and sober is used many times by the Apostle Paul in other letters to the churches that he writes in the New Testament. And the Apostle Peter Calls us to be sober and alert because the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour someone. Having self control helps us to see the pitfalls, the problems, the besetting sins that the devil wants us to devour with, devour us with. Verse 8 calls us to bear the armor of God that he gives the soldiers of the cross. The two which the Apostle Paul mentions are the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of hope and salvation. These are godly characteristics which should be cultivated in our lives. Our faith in God's promises and in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our hope of salvation which he gives us, and love for God and others. These are the weapons that he gives us. The call to be alert and self-control until Christ comes is also the call to bear fruit for the Lord. Being on the alert and having self-control help us bear more fruit for the Lord in our lives and others. How are you going to use these tools to bear fruit for God in 2022? In verse 9 and 10, we're given the promise that we should look forward to, that God has destined us for eternal life with his Son, Christ Jesus. This is our motivation to pursue being alert and sober. And these are the things that God has given for the good of those who God has destined for salvation. It's for us, for our good, to be ready for His return. And sin destroys this, destroys our relationship with God, relationship with others, and it causes real pain and real consequences. And being alert allows us to see our current sins, to see pitfall, the pitfalls of other sins that we may be approaching. And by knowing God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit, we can turn, fight, and defeat these sins. Doing these things prepares us for when Christ returns. Since God has been so merciful to spare us from wrath, we should press on gratefully. Since Christ has died for us, then no matter what happens, we will surely end up together with him when he returns. This is for all those who believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, those living and those who are dead. Those that are asleep that are mentioned here in verse 10 are those who have been given faith but have physically died, not those that are spiritually asleep, as mentioned in the earlier verses. For those whom he has destined for salvation, we should be awake, alert, and with self-control, not drunk and asleep. We should desire to pursue these things, trusting in God's promises going forward, just as we remember God's promises that were completed in the birth of Jesus Christ. The last verse of our passage encourages us to work together in being alert and sober, to encourage one another and build each other up in these things. We can do this for each other in numerous ways, but it takes thoughtfulness and effort. Think through the last year of 2021. How were you encouraged by somebody? How did you encourage somebody else? Well, how are you going to do these things going forward this next year? We don't know when Jesus will return. We know he will. We know it will be sudden. Maybe today, tomorrow, a year from now, a hundred years from now. But we're called to be ready. Are you ready? Let's put away spiritual laziness and despair going into this next year. Let's encourage each other to be alert and to have self control. For this next year in 2022 let's look for ways we can help each other in watching for our details of our lives watching for the pitfalls of sin in each other's lives and in living sober lives of faith may these be all of our new year's resolutions and our true happiness and success lies when we live lives that honor god it's a great day to be a christian Let's do the little things and trust God to handle the rest. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to look forward this next year to be alert, to be sober-minded, to have self-control, to live lives that are worthy of the calling that you have given us. Be with us, strengthen us through your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.